1: Welcome back to the Law of Attraction Tribe podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Keith, and today we have Rita Ellen Merchandani, who is a local Tampa girl and an Akashic Record reader and spiritual mentor. Rita works with ambitious spiritual entrepreneurs or adventurous women that are looking to evolve, create, and lead the life of their dreams. Rita also offers Akashic Record readings, spiritual coaching, and group offerings that offer a deep dive into any area of your life. And Rita is someone who lives locally in Tampa. I got to know her recently, and you're going to absolutely love her. And it's a really interesting conversation. So without further ado, let's go ahead and introduce Rita. So Rita, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you so
2: much for having me. I love how synchronistically we connected and how it's just unfolded. And it's an honor. So thank you.
1: Yeah, it, we definitely were supposed to meet and we had such a good conversation and I think we're just so aligned in so many ways. So I am just so excited to like dive further into everything that we discussed. Um, and before we get started with all of that, do you want to just give everyone a little bit of like who you are, what you do, what you offer, those kinds of things?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So, um, as you said, I'm Rita Ellen Merchandani and, I am a spiritual coach and Akashic record reader, and my main focus is on helping anyone that I work with come back to the essence of who they truly are um, and who they believe themselves to be. So sometimes that's through meditation, um, just through exploring life, um, writing. It really is in any way that anyone needs to find themselves. That's my goal. So I have a very... um, unique approach, I would say in doing that, where like, there is no rules. The rule is that we just explore until we find what feels true. Um, And that's my main focus.
1: (laughs) I love that. It feels so intuitive. Like you don't have a cookie cutter approach. You just kind of see what each person needs because we're all different. And I found that too. Like sometimes people will be really drawn to writing or journaling where someone else It's more sitting quietly, meditating, going for a walk outside. It's like, we're all drawn to different things. So I think that's really cool. You work that into, you know, what you do. Um, Thank you. um,
2: I was just saying this morning, even actually, like I had this thought that we are all our own experts. And I think we're not taught this enough. And I've been coming back to this thought, like what would everyone do if they believed they were the own expert on themselves versus always outsourcing that? So like, if you were an expert on your own life, what would you need in this moment versus like even listening to a podcast where it, it can tell us like what others do, which can help us then find what's ours. But I've been coming back to this thought, like if you were your own expert, what would you do?
1: I love that. I want everyone that's listening to actually pause if they can, if they're not driving or anything and maybe get out a journal or whatever and, and write that down so you can come back to it because that is such a key question. And we don't, I think we're trained to not think that way. Like I get so many people that will message me and, and say, Oh, like I want to manifest this. Am I doing it right what do I need to do next? What do I, and I, I'm like, you know, just tune into how you feel. Does that feel good to you? Or does that, you know, not feel good? Does it feel like a chore or are you drawn to that? And it's just so amazing when we can tune into our feelings and our intuition. Um, we don't need to ask like anyone else for the best route to go. So I love that about you. Um, how did you get into all this? Like, were you always very spiritual or did this um, just naturally progress as you got older?
2: Yeah. So great question. Um, So I was not always spiritual. Well, actually recently I realized I was up until about the age of seven. So up until about the age of seven, I found out through stories from my parents just a few years ago that I was actually very intuitive as a child, but it wasn't really understood. And, really accepted sometimes the things that would happen. So I've come to believe that I kind of shut that part of me off. And at that age, I really focused on logic. And like my whole life up until about the time I was 27 was very much so on business, um, how like leadership, like that was more my focus. And about the time of 27, I had a what I call spiritual awakening, which basically means to me that the way my world was working completely stopped working. So I I used to think very logically minded, like this is the way the world works. And um, my mom would even see like intuitives or like psychics. And I was always very like, no, I don't like that. Um, That wasn't for me, which is completely ironic because at that age, um, I started thinking maybe there's more. And I've really spent the last five years of my life um, discovering, is there more? And around that time, I was working in hospitality in leadership, uh, doing like sales. Mm-hmm. And it just wasn't it wasn't working anymore. I wasn't happy. And it led me to really, I had this moment where I left my job, I, I quit, um, I sold everything I owned. And I went to Asia for six months, because I figured, you know what, if this isn't working, we need to figure out for ourselves what will work. And I spent those six months just learning one, how do I work? Like what am I interested in? What is spirituality? Is spirituality what I've read about? Or is it like just connecting with people? And what is this innate intelligence that lives within all of us? So I really spent those six months just exploring how does the world work? And what am I meant to do here basically? so that's where it all changed for me. <laughs> okay.
1: There's so much I want to talk about already.
2: <laughs> I know that's like, the I feel like I just spit it all out, but that's the condensed oh. version of what happened.
1: <laughs> right. No, I, I love it. And I'm just, as you're telling your story, it's like, it totally resonates with me because very similar timelines too with things. So, um, same thing with me where, when I was young, I was very intuitive, but, never knew that until a couple years ago, I went to the psychic Vanessa, who the, mm. the girls in the inner tribe know who she is. Um, but anyhow, she was telling me, you know, when you were a child, you were very in tune and you were talking to spirit guides all the time. Mm. And I just kind of brushed it off and thought like, okay, well, every kid is like that. Every kid's imaginative, whatever, you know? Um, and I told my mom about it. And My mom's like, Oh, no, no, no. You are not like every other kid. Like you would literally like I could put you in a room and for hours, you would just be talking to all your friends that weren't there that I couldn't see. And I never knew that she never told me that story. And of course, we reach an age where we block that off for probably multiple reasons. Either we got scared because of all the scary movies about ghosts and things, or it just wasn't acceptable or whatever. We just grew up and quit using our imagination as much. But, um, that just reminded me of that because as I have no recollection of it and no one ever told me that in my life until here, I'm like in my thirties and I find that out. So yeah. What do you, what do you think? Um, like, is there something specific that shuts us off from that. And then something's kind of specific that we can turn it back on as we get older, if that makes sense. It totally does. So I think,
2: and this is kind of a lot of the work I do. And even going back to that thought of you're your own expert. So one thing, if someone's listening at home, they can ask themselves is like, when did I develop that belief that this didn't work this way? Or when did I develop the thought that this wasn't how it happened? So For me, the reason I was able to trace it back to seven years old is that there was a specific instance that happened where my um, my mom, I used to go to art class and I loved art class. And my mom was taking me to art class and I was just crying, hysterically crying. And I wasn't acting like myself. And she's like, why don't you want to go? She thought I was making an excuse. And I said, no, like our neighbors need our help. And I told her this and, you know, she was like, no, they're fine. Like um, we're going to art class. And I guess something that I said that day stuck with her because she ended up driving home and she thought to look at our neighbor's house just to see like, wait, is there what's going on? And what she saw was that their dog had fallen in the pool and it couldn't get out. And like she saw, she was able to see it was bleeding. Um, So she grabbed a ladder and she actually jumped over their fence and the dog ended up living. Um, But it like but she was able to pull it out. It was a big dog and it ran, I guess they had a dog door. It ran in the house. So of course she was like, Oh no, like, you know, but -hmm. the neighbors were, when they came home, were so thankful. Yeah. But the reaction, I kind of remember, which I could in some way have subconsciously made up the reactions. Right. But this is the way my body interpreted it was, I remember that there was more like when the story was told, like there was more silence from adults. There wasn't like a, um, confirmation of what had happened and there was no validation of like oh my gosh good job or it was more like silence shock like Mm -hmm. uh fear almost and so for me when i trace it back it was to moments like that where i was like this isn't okay like this scares people this isn't good um and then even some saying well she must have seen it through the gate and i know there was no way i saw it through the gate and my Mm -hmm. mom knows that too but it's thoughts like that that make us question Um, our own even reality. Mm -hmm. So that's for me what I think like most of us have had experiences similar where it could be even as small as like you tell someone something like, oh, I saw that person do it and you're not believed. And all of a sudden you question your own self.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, what's interesting too is a lot of times we won't necessarily consciously remember some of these events that made us question ourselves, but I've learned, um, in the last, really the last couple of years that I can still like find the event or find the answer that I'm looking for. And for me, it just happens to work really well when I write it out. I mean, that's just like the method that I prefer, but, um, I think that if you ask the question, like those questions you were asking, Um, the subconscious will reveal the answer in one way or another. So even if you can't consciously remember, it doesn't mean that like, you're never going to get to the bottom of it. I think it's just trusting what comes through, even if it doesn't make sense. And usually it's like that first thing that just pops in your mind is your subconscious memory of it because your subconscious is basically like a record keeper of every day of your life. Right
2: totally and going even going into that like i always say like whatever your first thought is it's right like even if um because that's how our intuition works right like usually they even have studied this and tests like why are we told when you're taking an exam to stay with your first answer because for whatever reason whatever you normally go to for first has a higher probability of being right mm-hmm. so but what i would say too like i had this experience in a meditation which i would have no way to prove this right but I had an experience where I was wondering about like self-doubt and I was taken back to a time when I was in the womb. And, um, basically I, my, the fetus perceived something that was said in a negative way. So it heard like, oh, it's a girl, but it perceived that being a girl meant that, um, I wasn't good enough. And so while that may or may not be true, right? What, the experience that i was led to in the meditation i know that i had a release right now like my Mm -hmm. the way i perceive myself shifted so sometimes even if we are like oh did i make that up is that real it's more about what's the shift that takes place in you with that liberation of letting that thought go
0: so that's the
2: way i kind of i've always seen it for myself is like one foot in the door, one foot out like of like not holding on to too much of the experiences but being like, okay, how has this shifted me and now can I take this knowledge and make myself more grounded and then more free?
1: Okay, I love that you explained that because no one's explained it in that way to me before where I understood it and I can tell already like I was getting too much in my head because I did one of those I don't know if, if you've ever done like the um like where you hover over your timeline. Oh, and yeah. in, a, in a meditation, it's supposed to bring you back to these like root memories. And yeah. the woman leading it was talking about like, did this happen during your life while you were in the womb or mm. in a past life? And I was so in my head with it. Like if it kind of did go and hover to a past life or the womb, I was like, how would I know that? Like I'm, th- my imagination's probably just going wild. And I like, I really had trouble, um, just accepting what came through. So that's real. I love that you said that, that it really doesn't matter. You can still release that block or that energy that's being stuck in that area. Um, yeah. yeah. Because
2: how many times have we like stepped into, like, I think the placebo effect, and you might actually know more than me on this, but like it, I think it works up to 60%, 40 to 60% of the time. So yeah. Oh, well. If we walk into a meeting, for example, and if we have the belief, like I'm going to do great or I'm not right, like that already changes the energy we're coming in with. So to me, it makes sense that while there's like a lot of misconception around like those type of experiences and it's still not widely accepted, I think it's getting more accepted. Mm -hmm. It's more about how do you perceive it? And like, how can you use that to, yeah, push yourself forward? That's the way I've always looked at it.
1: Yeah. I've thought about that so much because I was in pharmaceuticals for so long. And I thought it was so interesting because we always focused on our studies, right? But we never would tell a doctor, you're going to get this amount of improvement from baseline. We would always say you're going to get this amount of improvement over placebo because Mm -hmm. in every medication, in every class, there was always some sort of improvement in the placebo group and the way i've always looked at it is epigenetics like those yes. people are expecting to get better by this medication so they're directing the cells in their body to start healing and yes. so i you know i that's kind of on a different tangent but um it is a thing and there is a reason why there's a placebo group in every single study that's ever been done where people are seeing improvement. So I just wanted to touch on that, like how powerful we truly are just based on our mind and the direction we're giving ourselves and the energy that we're putting into it and the expectation that we're setting up.
2: Totally. Yeah. And that's so powerful. What you just described too, like, even just the energy, just going to towards it. Mm -hmm. And personally, like, I definitely like with what I teach and what I focus on, like, I definitely believe like there is an energetic field and all of these things, like matter. And like, I do go into like past lives and even future stuff. Mm-hmm. But what I've always found to be true, and I think this is what the positive of growing up so logically was, is like, um, I've never left that stance of like, it could be true, but it also couldn't be like, it's that, you know, kind of wavering. Mm-hmm. And I want to almost like focus in on the power of that. Because what I've seen happen is sometimes people like have an experience like a past life. And then they're like, well, I was you know, Abraham Lincoln in that past life. And then they keep their identity around that. Mm-hmm. But the thing with those experiences is that they're just there for the moment to teach you. And um, for, for examples, someone I worked with once, um, she had a fear of um, the dark, like she was always afraid of the dark.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And so we went into her Akashic records, which is this energetic field that's supposed to hold all energy and she saw a past life experience and in that past life experience you know some i don't remember what happened but basically she was able to release the fear of the dark in that past life and she wrote me like two months later and she said um hey i wanted to let you know that my parents pointed out to me they were visiting that i'm no longer afraid of the dark and i didn't even notice but um they noticed because i used to have night lights everywhere and like i didn't have them anymore and what this showed me was that again, whether it was real or not the past life, it actually didn't matter. Um, Her body, her mind, her reality perceived it to be real. And so therefore it had a, it altered her reality perception.
1: That is so, yeah, (laughs) that's, it's so cool. And it's so mind blowing that this happens, but it does. And I think if you can have, an open mind to some of this stuff, you'll be really surprised at like the impact it can have in your life. So I know you briefly mentioned the Akash- Akashic records. Can you just talk a little bit more about that? Because I'm sure there's people that are listening that are like, what, like I've never heard of this before and just explain mm-hmm. it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And also what I want to say is that in my experience with doing this type of work, if someone does not believe in a past life, they will not experience it mm-hmm. because the way that energy works is it's trying to help you. It's trying to help you in the way that your soul or, you know, yourself will experience it best. Mm-hmm. So to me, it makes sense that it would never try to do something or you you never have to worry about having a negative experience
0: okay. as long as like, no. does that
2: make sense? You yeah. know, like, I think it yeah. presents the way that we're going to experience it. Like maybe that person was like, I want to see a past life. I would love mm-hmm. that. Right. So they have that experience. Right. Um, so with the akashic records the way it's described on the internet is basically like the internet of energy so it's basically that we all have a soul record within it and you can learn things about your soul journey by accessing the akashic records the way i describe it is the the one-on-one readings i do is that they're um a soul-to-soul reading so Whatever is brought forth then is only what's for your highest good and what your soul wants you to know at this time. So for example, if someone was like, What's the name of the person I'm going to marry? That something like that would not come forward likely, mm-hmm. because we all have to have things happen in our life, right? For our, our path to align. Right. But what what it would be beneficial for is like, Hey, I keep having the same pattern, like um, again and again and again. Why is this pattern showing up in my life, and what am I meant to learn from it, and how can I release it?
1: Okay, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense, um, and that's very similar to what that spirit guide medium Vanessa was telling me. Because I was, I think, the real reason I was always a little hesitant with like psychic mediums was kind of that fear, like, well, what if something I don't want comes through? and she was saying that she's like, you can set the intention that anything that comes through is for your highest good. And like, that's what is happening anyways, but you can, if it makes you feel better, set that intention, say it out loud, do whatever you need to do to like make that a reality. And that really helped me. And it really helped me realize like, okay, I, you know, I don't have to be afraid of anything that's out there. Like everything's going to align for my highest good. So um, I want to dive into, you know, you're talking about like patterns that maybe keep repeating, but also in your story, you were saying how you quit your job and went to Asia for six months. I want to dive into that just a little bit because there are a lot of uh, women in my inner tribe that are either already entrepreneurs or they want to be, but they're still in their normal nine to five job they're not happy. They know they're meant for something else, but they're like really having trouble with that transition. I think we all do. I think it's a hard time to kind of know when you should transition, how it takes a lot of trust and faith. So can you like dive into that a little bit and just talk about what your experience was with it?
2: Yeah. So to be honest, mine was a very turbulent one, um, because it, it was more an internal one, not an external turbulence, but more internally. Um, I was just questioning everything because I did start to have these more intuitive experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt very foreign to me and I had gone through a, a, a breakup around that time. And I was just really questioning my whole life. So Asia was this deep, deep, deep call within me. And, um, I was talking to someone the other day, actually, and they said something funny, which I think relates to this, you know, he, he left his job and he had about, if he had stayed one more month, he would have got like a 40 or $50,000 bonus mm-hmm. one more month. And I said, are you like, are you crazy? Like, why didn't you just stay? Mm-hmm. And he goes, Rita, when the universe calls you, listen. Mm-hmm. And i that's, wow. and that's really what I think he defined in that moment of what happened to me was that there was no other option. I had to kind of listen to that. And I didn't know how I would work out. Um, And not everyone, this is the important thing I've learned. Not everyone has to do something drastic. We can prepare ourselves in like smaller ways, such as like every day, just being like, what's one small step that I can take to kind of figure out what's next for me and how I can align with this. Um, And that's hopefully something I can share my experience with is that we don't all have to have that path, but I actually think it's easier if you stay where you're at and you start to slowly transition. Mm -hmm. So that's the path I would suggest if I could look back. But um, what happened with me was that I stayed in corporate after I came back from Asia. And then when COVID happened, my job just disappeared. And Mm -hmm. that's what catapulted me more into the starting a business.
1: So, well, I think that like, you know, these spiritual awakenings, like I'm sure you've seen that meme where it's like, what people think spiritual awakenings are. And it's like someone that's like meditating in like a meadow and they're like, but what it really is. And it's like someone having like a nervous breakdown. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I do think that's true. Like that was the case with me as well. It's like, and not to scare anyone because it's all for your highest good, but sometimes we're so attached to the way things are, that it's really hard to make a change and to like, to let go of things that are not serving our highest good. So I, I truly feel that the universe will like give us obstacles that make us so uncomfortable that we then make the move and do whatever we're meant to do. Like something has to motivate us to shift onto that path. If we're wavering and we don't, you know, we're like one foot in one foot out. So some people look at it as like, everything fell apart. I broke up with my boyfriend and I lost my job. And, but then it's like, well, man, I'm so glad I'm not with that guy anymore. I'm so glad I'm not at that job anymore. So just to know, like there is a much higher timeline that you're shifting to, it's just sometimes a little rocky getting there.
2: 100%. And, um, what happened for me when I was leaving that job, which Whenever I talk about it, it's often like now I see it like just like this beautiful story. But looking back on it, it was not played out like this beautiful story. I was extremely turbulent. The 30 days leaving up to before I took the flight to Asia, I cried every day, like every day. You know, it wasn't this like peaceful, like um, I know the universe has me type of moment. It was I'm crying. I'm questioning if I'm doing the right thing. And I even remember I had this thought, which this taught me a lot about how fear works um, I even thought you're going to die. If you do this, you're going to die. Like, and to some degree that was true, right? Because a part of me was dying off, mm-hmm. like the part of me that was afraid, but sometimes fear can literally, in case anyone resonates with that, it will tell you crazy things mm-hmm. and you have to call it bluff. You have to be like, no, like I will not, I'll be okay. And I even remember that at one point I had a colleague come up to me and she said, you don't have to do this, Rita, like you don't have to do this. And I remember that that was it sh- the moment that showed me I was on the right path, because I had this knowingness of like, this will this cannot be taken away from me, like I need to do this, you know. And again, I cried up until literally up until the last second when my parents said bye to me at the airport, and I just cried. And Then I got on the plane. And I, I knew you'll never cry again over this. Mm-hmm. And so it's normal, I think, again, my experience I felt was very turbulent. So if anyone's experiencing that, I think that's okay. And it's normal in the face of fear and doing something you've never done to feel like your life is falling apart, but
1: you know, yeah, and the, you know, subconscious mind too, will play all these tricks on you to keep you in the status quo. Like that's like the whole job of your subconscious is to keep you alive pretty much. And when you think about it, like back in the you know primitive days if you were to completely change your life and like go off on your own you likely would have died and so <laughs> those feelings it's like your subconscious really thinks like oh no if you change and you go out of your routine and out of your comfort zone like you could die and in reality that's- i mean that's not going to happen it's not happening but you make a good point that a part of you does um, because yeah. you're like birthing into like a new version of yourself and, yeah. you know, it's like the other thing that really resonated with me when you're talking about going to Asia for six months, which it's like, oh my gosh, like, how did you decide that? But having that, that calling, that really strong calling was exactly how I felt about moving to Florida. It was like, yeah. I just couldn't explain it, but I just knew. And I knew like when I had to do it. And there were so many people that were like, well, just wait, like wait until you have a job lined up. Wait until this, wait until that. And I was like, I just need to go now. And Mm -hmm. I couldn't explain it. Like I didn't have reason or logic to give everyone. I just did it. And it was terrifying, really. I mean, I moved somewhere I had never even visited before. Um, But looking back, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I did. And I don't know how I did. Like, I don't know where that courage came from, but it's like, if something's really strongly pulling you, you've got to trust it and and explore that because it really is shifting you onto the best possible path for you, I believe.
2: Yeah. Yes. And that's so amazing that you followed that and look how well it's turned out, you know, and to be in Florida and that's how we connected, you know, Yeah. for anyone who might be like, well, I don't want to have to try to move or I don't want to have to go to Asia or like, can I just be where I'm at? Like my nervous system can't handle this. Like, what, what do I do, right? Um, so this is something I've been exploring more recently is like, I don't want to have to keep going to Asia every time I want to have like a, a huge spurt, right? right? And it's because it's all internal, right? The change too sometimes. And what I would say for anyone who's looking for that is um, to really question your identity you've built and ask like, like if you could ask yourself, what are three values that I believe about the world, such as even finishing the statement, I believe the world it works like this blank and then changing it to create what you want the world to work as. So if you're like, I believe I have to work hard to accomplish my goals. Do you, do you want to be that person that believes you have to work hard to accomplish your goals? Or do you want to no. have... You know, you know, but even like those small things, they change right. everything, right? Like yeah. just like bringing like, like what you said, the unconscious conscious, mm-hmm. um, I know it's so much easier, right. Cause I think we've probably been doing this a few years. So over time you start to learn ways, but right. a few years ago, I had no idea how to do that stuff. And now I'm like, these are small things that can really change your whole outlook on life.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I want to ask you too, because maybe you have some some unique perspective or insight on this, but like I said, there's a lot of women in the inner tribe that have like transitioned, they are transitioning or they're like in the first stages of being a female entrepreneur. And I just feel like there's so much fear and doubt that comes up during, during that time, um, number one. But number two, it's like, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I almost feel like I don't know if it's the universe testing you or what, but sometimes there will be like a dangling carrot of like, oh, there's another job. If this entrepreneur thing is too hard, you can go work here. And then like I see people kind of freak out and it's like, well, what should I do? Like what I I know I don't want to do that, but what if I'm not successful as an entrepreneur? Like, did you go through that or, or have any insight on like, what people can do to kind of move through that? Totally. Totally. Yeah. So in Buddhism,
2: they call that term Maya, which means like illusion, which is like, Right before you're about to get what you want, the universe will often present us with something just to be like, are you sure you don't want this? Like, are you sure you don't want to like come this way? Mm -hmm. And sometimes we do and that's okay. Right. But even just acknowledging like, that's what I'm doing. I find is powerful because it's more like when we do it from an unconscious place of like, I don't believe in myself that it's not good. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you're like, no, I really could use the money right now. I want the stability that feels good. So for me, and I don't know if this resonates with others. I was not as much afraid. I couldn't be successful as I was afraid of the shame that would come of not being successful mm-hmm. or not being able to reach it. So I found most of my actions were actually trying to prevent me from feel from feeling shame. So I kept myself small, um, to not, because I was so afraid of being in that shameful place of not having money, being dependent yeah. on others again. Mm-hmm. Um, so noticing where that feeling is coming from for me was monumental.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and then also like being even in like your, tr- you know, your tribe or your space, like being in a space with people who understand you is like going to be key. Um, you can definitely do it for yourself, but the more you start to do this, the more you notice that, um, you need people around you that understand your vision and understand where you're going. And right. you can of course still have everyone around you who's been there from the start, but there's a part of you, right. That's craving that vision. And if you're not getting that part met by another human being, it can feel very lonely and isolating.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I noticed that too, just with, um, what you said earlier, how like you don't, it's not like you have to move to, to Florida or go to Asia. Um, but I think for me, It helped like the first shift took me from Chicago to Southern Illinois, which is like very rural in the middle of nowhere. Another decision that made no sense logically, but getting myself out of that environment away from like my, the group of people that just wanted to party all the time and getting more like, you know, at that time focused on my corporate career, but then moving to Florida, like getting away from that massive, like corporate environment of people that I've surrounded myself with and moving to a new place like that helped me but to your point like you don't have to move to do that you can join a community you can seek out like we t- connected on Instagram we had never met before mm-hmm. and we connected on Instagram we were like hey let's meet up in Tampa another spiritual person awesome and so you can seek people where you're at already that will help you kind of um shift and like you said you don't have to just ditch everyone in your life but pay attention if someone's dragging you down or holding you down because a lot of times, unfortunately, it is people that are really close to us in our life that sometimes can hold us back when we're making that transition because they're afraid, even subconsciously, I don't even know if they're usually aware of it, that they're going to lose you because they see you making those changes. So it's not that they're trying to harm you or, or trying to be negative, but they're afraid they're going to lose you. So sometimes even just taking like a little bit of a break during that transition I've found can be super helpful.
2: Yeah. I think that's a great point. And it's so normal, right? Because like, even if we think about people in our life who maybe they've changed, right? Like our thought is like, how is this going to impact me? Will they still love me? Like, you know, it's, and even going back to our inner child, like I think that's where that comes up. Like if it's our, best friend. And like, all of a sudden they have new friends, like, are you going to forget me? So just having that like outlook of like, they're doing this because they love me. Like it might not seem that way, but like, that's just their way of like trying to show that.
1: Yeah, Um, absolutely. So the other thing I, I am curious about, like, if someone's bringing awareness to like, for you bringing awareness to that shame that you were afraid of feeling or bringing awareness to um a memory from your childhood maybe that you've uncovered how do we then release that is it the awareness in itself that kind of like energetically releases it or are there certain like tools or things that we can do to help move that energy
2: yeah so i think there's like so many tools like out there and i think whatever anyone resonates with is what i would suggest to them like if you're like oh let me try this I think awareness is great, but what I found for me helped the most, and I think this is why purse on my journey, Asia was necessary was I needed confidence in myself. Um, so that I've, they've done so many studies about like the number one thing in entrepreneurship, it's somehow correlated to risk, um, mm-hmm. being willing to take risks. And I think probably all of us, if you're on that journey are either at the point of taking a risk or You've had to think about risks, like um, even being an entrepreneur. I think that's somewhere probably in the definition. Oh yeah. Um, but like w- yesterday, I took a class. I'm taking a class on communication, and uh, they had us sing in front of eight people. And for me, this is one of my worst fears. Like, so. I, yeah, yeah, it's like terrifying. And everyone was terrified. Yeah. But still, you're like thinking in yourself, are they going to make fun of me? Is my voice terrible? Do I even have a melody? Will I forget the lyrics? Like all of the stuff. And so what i found is that putting yourself in situations that challenge you and not caring what others think, but then treating yourself kindly. So as soon as I sang, I was like, I'm so freaking proud of you. Like that was hard. And like, we did it. And now if I had to sing again, like it would be 10 times easier. So it's not as much about external validation. It's doing something hard for you. This could be even just like talking to a stranger at the grocery store, things that you find challenging. And then validating yourself for doing it. And what this does is it creates this confidence where then when it comes time to taking the, the really big jumps, there's not that it's not as big a jump anymore because all of a sudden you're living from that space of I'm confident in my decisions.
1: Okay. Another thing that you explained that, no, I've never heard anyone explain it that way before, but I love this because confidence is something I get so many questions on. So I, I'm sure there's like so many people listening right now. They're like, yes, like, because I always get, they're like, can you do a confidence subliminal? Can we, like, how do we get more confident? Because we all face that. I feel like everyone in life at some point has had that feeling of not being enough. And I, I just want to like recap that real quick in case anyone missed it. You you face a challenge or you put yourself, you know, in this situation, like you went to this communications course, you're going to sing. And when you overcome that challenge, when you when you do the thing and you take the risk, then you reward yourself with you did such a great job. You're like validating yourself. You're giving yourself a pat on the back. You're being kind to yourself. And that is going to create that habit that builds those two things together is what builds confidence over time. Right.
2: Yes. And one great resource, if anyone's here, my um, one of my teachers, her name is Jack O'Keefe. She has a book called how to be a spiritual rebel. Mm -hmm. And she has like different techniques that you can do to sort of like break who you believe yourself to be. And there's a similar technique in the book, which is like doing something that you said you never would. So Mm -hmm. her technique is like, for example, if you judge someone um, for wearing a certain hairstyle or a certain skirt, you go do it because this is like to break the way you believe the world works and then all of a sudden if you're not judging people you're no longer caring if people judge you yeah. um so yeah but for me um what i i'm someone who heavily relied on validation so that's something i learned about myself like i was a very people pleaser wanted to know what i did was okay so knowing also how you show up in the world because some people aren't they're already confident in that they don't need that but mm-hmm. noticing what you need from the world will tell you kind of how to approach this but I think for anyone regardless of who you are constantly taking small risks especially in entrepreneurship is so vital to like um your journey because there will be points where everyone will tell you not to do something everyone yeah. and you just you know you know um like I was even listening to this podcast about Steve Jobs and with the iPhone and Mm -hmm. everyone told him this will be a failure. Like his entire team said, people want want buttons. That's what they told him. And he just like looked at them and he said, they'll get used to it.
1: And like, look at our- If he didn't, like (laughs) if he listened to all those people, that is so wild. But really, I feel like if you- if there's anyone successful that you admire you can find that kind of a story because i really think you hit the nail on the head when you said entrepreneurship it's taking risks it's it, it is and you know we talked a little bit about this um last week in my book club where we were like it's not that the people that are successful aren't scared and have no doubt and all the confidence in the world i think they all have the same fears that we do and the same insecurities, but they do it anyways. They take the risk anyways. And that's how you build the confidence over the long run. So I just love that we're talking about this now, because I think that just came full circle for me where I'm like, okay, like I get, I get the whole confidence thing now. And it really, that's such a great way um to look at it. And I know I like, I can think of so many people right now that are probably listening to this and thinking like, okay, I need to go and do that thing because they've been mm-hmm. sitting on it because it's scary. It's a risk, but the only way to move through it is to take the action, right? It's like, I think Tony Robbins says actions, the antidote to fear and really yeah. that's so true.
2: Yeah. Oh and you God. can even trick yourself like I kind of I have to do this. This is why I'm sharing mm-hmm. it. I often will have to do something small, risky, some small risk before I take the big one. So that's mm-hmm. how it makes yeah. my nervous system feel safe. So yeah. I'll often set up my days or weeks where like I take I just set up a small thing like for example, singing in front of people before I'm about to do a major thing because it right. create, it puts me in the momentum already.
1: Yeah. No, I that's so so important and I found that too like once I done, taken like one specific risk, I find it easier to take the next one and then easier to take the next one. And it just kind of like, you build a little bit each time you go. Um, I know, like I used to be terrified to do like interviews, like even a podcast interview or anything like that would have just, I mean, the physical reaction I would have, it was like, oh my God, like feeling really breathless (laughs) and stuff. And then, you know, I did the first one. I'm like, okay, like I got through it. (laughs) and Like, then I did the next one. I'm like, oh, this, this was good. I I did better that time. And then, you know, and now it's the point where like, this is my favorite thing to do. If I could do this all day long, every single day and like do nothing else, I would be totally fine with that. But there was a time where I like had to force myself and I was so terrified and looking back at it now, you know, you can kind of laugh and think like, wow, that was so silly that I was so afraid of that thing. But at the time it's a very real um, reaction that we all have and it's just taking action. So maybe this is going to be everyone's sign to take action and do whatever they've been putting off doing because they're afraid.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And that they know more than anyone, what's the action needed for them. Like if we even with that expert Mm -hmm. thing, right? Like these are all ideas, but like, maybe you get your own idea and like, just follow that, like be the creator of that, like thread the path for that action. And that could be your thing.
1: Yeah, that's a good point, too, because I feel like a lot of the action um, that I took, a lot of people in my life were telling me the opposite. Like, what are you doing? That's crazy. That doesn't make sense. So, yeah, definitely, you know, going within you have all the answers within yourself and you can validate yourself. You can rely on yourself. You can find that inner wisdom. Um, I do think it's great you know, connecting though with people like you that, that have these powerful questions and insights. So you're still looking to yourself, but you're having someone kind of guide you through something you've never been through before. Um, so with that being said, can you kind of let everyone know like, um, how they can get in touch with you and maybe anything that you're currently working on or offering?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, my website, which is just my full name, ritaellenmerchandani.com, or on Instagram, it's also my full name, ritaellenmerchandani.com. And currently, I'm offering a few different services. The number one is Akashic Record Readings, which are just one to one readings for anyone who's looking for clarity on any area of their life. Um, it's really guided by whatever you're comfortable with. Um, And you can kind of read other people's testimonials to see an example of what that's like. Uh, I do one-to-one coaching. Um, Those tend to be longer term. And I also have a spiritual community at the moment where we meet once a month and we talk about different spiritual topics and I do have a group course. So if anyone wants to learn how to read the Akashic records, I'm teaching that as well.
1: Awesome. That is so awesome. Yes. Send me um, those links and I'll make sure I post those links for everyone to look into. And I love that you offer a community too. It's like, you know, when when we're going through these shifts in our life, find places like that to connect with other people that are doing the same thing. And I feel like it makes it so much easier. You just have more support and it doesn't feel like you're going through everything alone. So I love that you offer that. Yeah. Um, And then one last question. Is there anything right now that you're currently trying to manifest into your life?
2: Yeah. So great question. Let's see. Yeah. I think that there's something that's been brewing. And, um, so often the way it works with me is I don't know what it is. I can just feel it. Um, Mm -hmm. and I don't know what that is and it's been brewing for a while and it's been, I think it might have to do with even, um, traveling somewhere. So Mm -hmm. I'm just letting that become clear. So that's what I'm trying to manifest.
1: Oh, awesome. All right. Well, keep me posted whenever it, comes through. (laughs) I will. I
2: will. Um, and yeah, just reaching the right people. That's the other thing.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. That's so important. And I'm so glad we connected and we'll definitely stay in touch. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. You have so much wisdom. I'm sure. Um, I would love to have you on again in the future. So I really appreciate it.
2: Thank you so much. It was an honor and thank you to everyone for listening.
1: All right. See you next time. See you. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you guys want more in between these podcast episodes, you can subscribe to my Apple podcast, Manifested It. You can find that in Apple Podcasts and it has all of my bonus interviews, guided visualizations, subliminals, meditations,